All right, guys, good morning. As you can see, I'm not Aaron Wine. I'm probably about as far as you can get from Aaron Wine. Um, but I'm excited to be with you guys today. For those that don't know me, my name is Will. Hi, Will. Thank you. Um, and today we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 2. So I'll give you time to turn there if you have your Bible, which I hope you do. Okay, um, so a couple things about me before we get started. I am about to graduate in August, and then I'm getting married. Thank you. Please. And then I'm getting married in November, so a lot of exciting things coming up for me. Um, but I do remember being in a similar seat to you guys when I was in youth group um, back in the day, which wasn't that long ago, but back in the day. Um, and it's exciting to now be sharing with you guys. So I hope that you hear the word that I have for you and also am praying that this word not only gives you hope, but gives you a future hope to look forward to in Christ. So um, the greatest opposition to the church that we've seen and the spread of the gospel, both in our community and across America and also across the world is the church itself because the church itself is made out of people like you and I, which are sinners and people that seek pride and seek their own benefit instead of the benefit of others. So when we as a church come together as sinful creatures and worship a holy God, there's something transformative that happens but that all starts with the leader of a church. So with the preacher or with your teachers or with the youth pastor. Um, so it all kind of trickles down from this leadership position that a, that a preacher holds in a church. Um, so as we approach 1 Thessalonians 2, it's all the more important that we look at Paul and see his effective and bold leadership and also witness to the Thessalonians so that we can ultimately see how we can all be leaders, both in our school, in our church, and with our friend groups, or even our family, and how we can be bold in sharing the gospel with those around us so that we can ultimately show what it means to be a witness of God and what it means to be a light of, on this earth that is so dark. Um, but as a warning, this isn't so we base our own witness and testimony off of Paul's, but this is so that we can look to Paul who is looking to Christ and we can reflect Christ ultimately and not reflect Paul. Um, as it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 5, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So this effective witness that we're going to be looking at comes directly from Christ, the God-man. So it's important that we look to Christ and not look to our church leaders or to Paul in this situation. Like, yes, we need to look at our church leaders and we need to look to Paul to learn how to be a witness, but ultimately remember that being a witness means we are constantly and always looking to Christ in everything that we do. Um, so with that, I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 12. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, 
we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we make demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. While we proclaim to you the gospel of God, you are witnesses and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to wake up and to come into this room and come into this church that we know is seeking you. I pray that in this text, we can ultimately see what it means to be a bold and effective witness, God, what it means to seek to love the gospel and to love you first. Um, And I pray that through that, we will shine bright in our schools, in our homes, in our church, God, and that ultimately we will give all the glory to you and not to ourselves. Um, God, just help me to teach, help me to seek your words first. And I pray that ultimately you'll just be glorified through this. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we walk through this text, my goal and hope is that you guys are able to see that the desire to bring glory to God day by day will give you the boldness to walk in a witness that is glorifying God through that. So Ultimately, we're going to walk in a way that is glorifying God instead of glorifying ourselves. And that leads into our first point, which is, thank you, Risha, boldness in the gospel, 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4. Um, I'm going to reread that just so we're going to be bouncing around a little bit from text to text, but also just having it open and you guys reading this as well is going to help you understand what I'm talking about also. So for yourselves, know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. So to really understand the context of these verses, we're going to go back to chapter 1 in Thessalonians specifically verses eight through nine. Um, I'm going to read those real quick. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so so that we need not say anything for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you. Um, So the boldness of Paul to the Thessalonians was seen in his actions that he initiated with them. Like, yes, Paul very much knew the gospel and knew the words to speak, but more so the Thessalonians saw the boldness of Paul in the midst of conflict and were like, that is something that I want to have. I see his actions despite the conflict around him, and I see the way that he's loving us and loving the people in Philippi. Because it says in verse 2, but though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, they have heard about Paul's testimony in Philippi. 
and they are knowledgeable of what the gospel is because of Paul's actions of being so bold in his faith to even declare it in the midst of conflict. Um, So verse two, the, but though we had already suffered is the grounds of verse nine or verse eight that we see in chapter one, God has gone forth everywhere. So because Paul walked through conflict, God is now everywhere in the Thessalonians because he walked through and declared the gospel, the Thessalonians are now able to see exactly what Paul is talking about in his actions and also his words. So Paul's boldness in spite of much conflict was what made the lasting impact to the Thessalonians. So how do we in our school or in this youth group or in our church or with our families, how do we walk in boldness despite the conflict that we may receive from the world? Because believe it or not, and I know you guys know, the world is going to hit you with a ton of conflict every single day. May it come in the form of temptation or pride or lust or greed or just slothfulness towards what you may be wanting to do. The world is going to hit you hard every single day. So there has to be a way that we can model this type of boldness that Paul has because Paul's walking into a place where like, nobody knows the gospel. It isn't like what we have here where a lot of the people that you may go to school with have heard who Jesus is. Paul's walking into a place where like the gospel hasn't even been received or been even hinted at yet because it was just like yesterday that Jesus died. So think about that. Like think about Paul walking in and sharing this thing that nobody knows about. Nobody has any idea what just happened. Like Jesus rose from the grave. What does that even mean? And Paul's walking into this place declaring that and having faith and knowing that God is with him and having the boldness to walk in that and believe in it. So as we walk into our schools, as we walk with our family, and as we walk as a church, we have to remember that we have people around us. You have people here that are seeking the Lord as well. So you're not having to be bold on your own. You don't have to be like, okay, I have to tackle this thing by myself. I have to go save everyone at my school. Like, no, it's not about your results. And it's not about you being the best Christian you can be. Because think about it, like, for you to be the best Christian, you would have to be God. Like Christ is the best Christian because he is the perfect image, the perfect encapsulation of who God is because he is God. So think about like Christ having endless gentleness, endless self-control, endless just joy and sympathy and empathy and so many things that we may not have. So look around you and look at the people in your church that have different giftings than you and look at how your gifts and their gifts can align to be bold together. Like maybe it's like you meet with a guy on a Wednesday morning before class and see how you can love that one person that you know needs God. Or think about it like you meet with a couple guys every week and then you're able to go out and share like in a Publix, I don't know, do, do something like that. Like you don't have to be bold alone. You have people here around this, these tables and in this church that love you and care for you and can teach you how to walk in boldness to who God is. But the beautiful thing about Paul is that he was not only bold 
to humans, he was bold before God. And that gets us to our second point. Um, Let's look at verse four specifically. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Um, So if you guys want to, I'm going to turn to Ephesians 3, 12 through 13 um, to talk through this point as well. So in Ephesians 3, it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Um, We'll explain this verse and how it ties into Thessalonians in just a second. But how could Paul walk in boldness despite the conflict? Like as much as we may have each other, there's going to be times where we're walking alone into situations or walking alone into an environment where we may be the only Christ follower, or we may be the only person that can proclaim the gospel to these people. Like think about the missionaries here that go out to these unreached people groups and like the mountaintops, like nobody else is coming. It's just you. So how do you have boldness to walk to these mountaintops, to walk into your school where you may be the only person that loves Christ? Uh, So we're going to look at verse 10 where it says you are witnesses. Oh, also I know it says we're like skipping to nine through 12. I'm coming back to seven through eight. So I know that bothers some of you, but I'm sorry. Um, Verse 10, you are witnesses, witness, witnesses. And God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you. So initially you may read this and be like, Paul's being kind of prideful there. Like he He's saying, like, look at how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you. Like, you may see that and be like, ah, Paul's being kind of, like, it's all about himself there, isn't it? Like, he's just, like, if I were to come up here and be like, look at how attractive I am. Like, that would be pretty bad. That's true. But, uh, so, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) So, Paul firstly understands his role in this story, like not only in the Bible, but in history, in the world. He understands that he himself was made in the image of God. He is not God. So therefore he understands that he and God have this distinction between the two of them. God, creator of the universe, creator of all of us, creator of literally everything we see because He is almighty and all glorious. And then there's Paul, who is just like you and me, a sinful man who turned from himself to learn and to grow and to be called by the Lord God. So Paul understands his role and his role is to proclaim and behold the gospel of God. So he knows that this isn't about his own benefit. Like this isn't about him gaining ultimate results to be the best Christian he can be because the world will tell you that even cultural Christianity will tell you that of like, you have to be the best you. And I know you guys see books like that all the time where it's like, you have to increase your own worth. Like you have to get up your net worth. You have to blah, 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 blah. But Paul understands that there is something more here. There is something greater to be hoped for than just what the world is telling us. Um, he has this awareness of himself that is not from a place of pride, 
but from a place of knowing his sin and knowing the distinction between himself and God, God who is blameless, Paul who is sinful. So Paul understanding his sin is then able to look at God and Christ and understand how Christ had to come for our sins. So Paul ultimately grabs onto the mission that Christ left him with, which is the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Paul understands that he is fighting for people that need hope and need a future hope in Christ because Christ is the only way to the father. Christ is our key to eternal life. And just as it says in Ephesians three, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul is suffering in conflict to proclaim the gospel because he understands the weight of eternity. He understands that there is so much more than what is present in our day-to-day life. Like there there is a God out there that loves us. And there's a God out there that promises eternity with him where we will be glorified creatures. But also it's not that God made us lesser than him. Like he, he blesses us by us being the hands and feet of him. Like us being able to go out and share the gospel. We are walking hand in hand with the mission of the creator of the universe. Like think about how beautiful and bountiful and hopeful that is like you have no reason to to seek anxiety and fear in this present day when we walk into situations like yes the world is going to lay it on you heavy and you're going to be like I don't know if I can do this but when you have the mission of God within yourself in such a way you're so postured towards who God is you're finally able to see like this is my hope and this is the hope that I want to give everyone else So Paul has boldness before God. Like he not only walks in boldness before his fellow peers, he walks in boldness before God because he knows the mission of God and knows that his heart is aligned with God. So think about how incredible that would be if like you postured yourself in such a way that you weren't prideful towards God, but you were like, I am confident that the Lord has given me this decision and I'm going to make it. So it's like as simple as that. Like when you posture yourself with the Lord and you feel that twinge of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and to share the good news of Christ with the people around you that need to hear it, then you're aligning with his mission in such a way that you're fighting for the glory of everyone else around you. Because you may have that hope and you can walk in freedom of that, but no, people around you may not have that. So think about that. Think about how you can suffer in such a way that people are like, they shouldn't have this much joy in this at all. Or even like you grieve in such a way that they're like, how can you, how are you taking, like, how are you controlling yourself in this situation? And then you're able to, to realize that your actions have a lasting impact on those around you, just as Paul's action had a lasting impact on the Thessalonians. So, It also says in 1 John 5, everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. So as you love God, as you love the gospel, you will be able to have the love that God has for you and I 
to the people around you, even if you may not like them, even if they may be like, I don't have people that are my favorite people in the world, but the more love you can show them, the greater the gospel is going to shine through you. So that leads us into our third point, our final point, boldness in love, which we're going back to verses seven through eight for this. Um, I'll read it again. But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. So Paul here in a really beautiful and tiny way is reflecting the gospel that we seek. Like we may reach this point in this sermon and realize that like, yeah, well, you're telling me like, seek the gospel, seek, seek God and everything that I do, like align my heart with the motives of God and I'll be able to have boldness to those around me, but also boldness before God. But like, what, what is the gospel? Like, I can't just walk in boldness of who I am and who I know that I am an image of God, a child of God without knowing the very thing that you must believe in to do that. So the creator of the universe beyond time, beyond imagination, beyond the universes that we look at created you and me in the, in his own image, as it says in Genesis one So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. And yet we being made in the image of God rebelled and sought the creation instead of our creator. So that can be seen throughout the old Testament as we craft idols out of gold, as we craft so many different altars and different things that point to our own worship point to our own power as we build kingdoms and cities and we want to be known, that is our greatest and utmost desire is to be known. And throughout history, we rebelled against God as we sought to be known, as we sought to praise each other. Like we were made from dust. So we worshiping ourselves, we're worshiping the creature, us instead of the creator but God, as it says in verse seven, being affectionately desirous of you was ready to share not only his word with us through the word, but because of the word was able to share the fullness of himself with us through Christ. So Christ also being affectionately desirous of you came in the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus, God's only son came down for us because God desired us despite our rebelling and despite the sin that we had. And despite the anger and the aggression that we put forth towards God, God desired us, desired his creatures, desired his children. And Jesus is the perfect sacrifice that we don't deserve. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and took on the weight of death for all of us and then rose again in victory over death three days later. Because as 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. 
So because death came through us, the creatures, God had to humble himself and die for us in order to defeat death. Think about how beautiful it is that we are now on this side of the cross and have the ability to accept Jesus into our hearts in such a way that we, God calls us fellow heirs with Christ, like Christ, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, where every knee will bow at the end of history. God calls us fellow heirs with this King. Think about how beautiful that is. And just like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, God takes care of us through Christ and through the spirit. Like we have the boldness of the fullness of God within us when we accept Christ in the Holy spirit and think about how beautiful that is. Like we don't have to fear and to have anxiety over situations where we know we need to share the gospel, but we can't because we have the spirit of God in us. We are the temple of the Holy spirit. That is our joy and our, and our hope and our, this is our presence. Like this is how we have the boldness of God. So Paul here reflects the very gospel that he is proclaiming boldly to the Thessalonians. He being gentle among them walked in a way that was bold and effective and quietly effective, meaning he did not take the fame, just as it says in, I mean, in verse, uh, oh, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, like Paul could have gotten whatever he wanted, but didn't. He didn't take the fame. He pointed it all towards Christ because he knew that he was an image bearer of the image Christ. He is not Christ. This is Christ. And he's pointing towards him constantly. So why did God do this for us? Why is the gospel our future hope? Because just as Paul, just as the Thessalonians were very dear to Paul, we are very dear to God and he approaches us gently and with love and affection, but also the knowledge that he is Lord and he is God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So as we look at the boldness of Paul in the gospel of Christ. It's important to remember that we have no condemnation. This isn't about us becoming, again, the perfect Christian. This is about us reflecting the very gospel that we see and dying to ourselves daily, even if it has to be hourly, and looking at our sins, seeing the depths of it, seeing the trials and the abandonment that we give God in our sin, and seeing the contrast and the joy and the love that God gives us through that. And because of that, we are called children. We are fellow heirs with Christ. And God so graciously calls us the salt of the earth, the hands and feet of our maker. So as we go out and we proclaim the gospel, it's all the more important that we remember who we are whose we are and where we come from because your boldness may not look the same as somebody else's boldness. Like you may be walking in a boldness of, yeah, I'm like yelling this at school. It's awesome. But maybe you are not the most outgoing person. 
maybe you struggle to be like, I struggle with sharing the gospel with like a group of people. And it's like, find one person that you know needs hope, that you, you can see it in their life, you can see it in their face, the fear and the suffering that they have. Like they need Jesus just as you needed Jesus. And you need to be reminded of the gospel daily. That's why here at Lakeview, you hear Aaron, you hear Brian, you hear everyone on staff constantly pulling the gospel in every sermon that they have. Because the gospel in itself is why we have this, why we have church. So we can go and, and ensure and continue to seek to make disciples of all nations as Jesus commanded us to. So I pray that this is something that you guys will hold on to and see that you can have boldness and you can have hope. And it may not look like everybody else's, but come before God and be knowledgeable of the mission that he's given you and be bold in it and walk in faith and knowing that it's not about how good you are or how good you do. It's about the Lord you serve and how you bring him glory just by surrendering to him. Let's pray.